Hebrews chapter 4, and we'll begin reading in verse number 14. <clears throat> verse number 14. How many of y'all are glad he's saved? Uh, how many of y'all are glad the devil can't do nothing about it? That's even better, amen? Uh, we're going to, we're going to, let, let me say this before we start. That way I won't forget it. <clears throat> the middle part of the book of Hebrews. All right, we're fixing to get into the meat of Hebrews, into the heart of the book of Hebrews. And, and really we're going from milk to meat. Okay. So there's going to be some things maybe you've never heard before. Maybe you're not familiar with. It might be just a little confusing, but here's what I want to encourage you to do. If I'm, and, and y'all know me, I try to give y'all as much as possible in one sitting. Uh, but if something is confusing to you, don't sweat it. Don't sweat it. Just go back and watch it again. I, I mean, technology's great. Uh, back in the day, if you didn't get it the first time, you was out of luck, right? Because there was no recording or there was none. But now you can go back and say, you know what? I missed something. Let me go listen to that again. And I promise you, you'll pick it up along the way. Church, say amen. Now, now the, the main part, the main part of the book of Hebrews is going to be about not what Jesus did for us, but what Jesus is doing for us. Now, now what he did for us, he died on a cross. That's milk. Okay. That's milk. But what Jesus is doing right now in his present ministry, he didn't just die for us. He's now living for us. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And this section that we're in is going to kind of uh, be the intro to all of that that we're going to go to. You're going to hear about a priest named Melchizedek. Uh, we're going to hear just an introduction to him tonight, and we're going to go into more detail about him in, I believe, chapter 7. Uh, but really, we're going to talk about his priesthood. Say that with me, his his priesthood. So let's look in Hebrews chapter number 4 and verse number 14. <clears throat> if you're there, say Amen. Seeing then that we have a great high, not just high priest, but great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our profession for we have not a high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore, in other words, because of that, because of that, we can come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. How many of y'all are still thinking about that ship frapping? Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you, you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to go back last week. Go back last week. I'm not going to do it again, but it's good stuff. You need to find out what frapping that ship means. Amen. Verse Chapter 5, verse 1. For every high priest, now keep in mind, keep in mind when you're studying the Bible, sometimes chapters and verses that, well, all the time, chapters and verses are put there uh, for your study and your learning, but they were not there when the letter was being written. So this is not a different subject. We're just continuing with the same thought. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. All right, now watch about the high priest. For every high priest taken from among men, is ordained for men and things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. And by reason hereof, he ought as for the people, so also for himself to offer sins. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, this is talking about Jesus, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard and that he feared, though he were a son, 
Yet he learned obedience, or yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, thank you so much. Just for the just for your word. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to to study your mind on paper. You've given us this word to encourage us and, and, and edify us, Lord. And I pray that we'll grow tonight. I pray that our maturity level will rise tonight. I pray that you'll take your children and develop them into your sons and daughters, Lord. I pray that we will, we will chew on the meat so that we can be seasoned saints who are not tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Lord, I pray, help us tonight. Lord, help me. I pray that you'll give me the, the strength. I pray that you'll give me the spirit. Lord, fill my mind and my heart with your word. Uh, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Control everything, every word, every thought, every sentence, Lord, I pray. Don't let me say something I'm not supposed to, and don't let me forget anything I need to. And God will be careful to give you the glory and the honor and the praise for it all. In Jesus' precious name we pray, and all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> you may be seated. Uh, I told you in the beginning of the Hebrew study that if you want to do a little background information or a little background work uh, to help uh, get all the goody out of Hebrews, get all the, uh, the blessing you can out of Hebrews, you need to go and study Leviticus uh, or, or at least read the book of Leviticus. Leviticus is the giving of the law. Uh, God gave and, and, and laid it out for his people on how to approach him. And you got to understand what, what, what makes this significant. You, get, you just got to understand how things have fell out in this world. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, there was a day that Adam and Eve fellowship with God and walk with God. And watch this, had peace with God and they experienced what? Rest. Oh yeah, y'all remember, amen. They were, they experienced the rest of God. But what happened? They sinned. They disobeyed. They rebelled. And God is holy. God is perfectly righteous and perfectly holy. And a sinful man cannot fellowship with a holy God. And because of their rebellion, because of their sin, because of their disobedience, they were separated from God. And from that point on, man's been uh, separated from a holy God. So here we find ourselves in, in the Old Testament. We come to a place where God decides and God chooses to make a way back to him, if you will. All right? He, 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 created, he created a system. Some call it the Levitical system, the Levitical priesthood, uh, the Levitical laws, the Levitical sacrifices. But he created a way for sinful man to come before a holy God. Are y'all with me? Now, I'm going to give you just a couple of things. It's just right off the top of my head here. Uh, 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 that, that, that I want you to, I want you, I don't know if you have room in there, but, but I don't have room to type it, so you can write it if you want to. But in this system, God gave them, God gave them a designated place. Okay? He gave them a designated place. In the beginning, it was the tabernacle. It was the temporary temple, if you will. It was a tabernacle that they carried around in the wilderness. That is where the presence of God would be. That is where they had to come to God. That was a specific place that man could come and approach God. Are y'all with me? Say amen. There was a designated place. There was a designated people. Okay. And we're going to talk about that in your notes here in a little bit. Uh, there was a designated people. It was the tribe of Levi. All right. The tribe of Levi. Uh, there was a designated person, which was the high priest, okay? Aaron was the first one, uh, but the high priest. And that was passed down, that was passed down from son to grandson to great-grandson. Are y'all with me? 
in the tribe of Levi. So they, so God gave mankind, he gave specifically his people, but it, his people was supposed to be a witness to mankind. Uh, God gave us a way to get to him by a designated place, a designated people, a designated person, and a designated practice. A designated practice. And what was that practice? It was offering sacrifices. They had to come and bring a, a, a sacrifice to God to be able to approach him. Why? Because man is sinful. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. It was the system God created so man could come to God. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, what we're going to see, though, what we're going to see, though, this entire system, this entire system is only in the Old Testament pointing to Christ. And in Christ, all of this system is fulfilled. The, the Old Testament system could only temporarily cover their sin. But when Jesus, man, I'll tell you what. When Jesus died on the cross, he completely took away our sin. When, when, when John saw Jesus coming down the riverbank, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which what? Taketh away the sins of the world. Somebody say amen. Man, this is good stuff. And now, now we are in the section. Now, I see some new faces out there. I see some new faces. So let me give you a, a brief reminder of, of the whole book of Hebrews. It's, it's a, 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 an encouragement to Jewish people, barely saved, brand new Jewish Christians who are being persecuted. They are going through trials. They are going through pain and suffering and difficulty. And they're being tempted to go back to the temple. Okay? They're being tempted to go back into Judaism, go back into the sacrifice, go back into that system we just discussed. Now we know, now we know when Jesus died on the cross, the veil ripped from the top to the bottom in the temple, not so God could get out, but so man could get in. Say amen. And, and as a new believer in Christ, there was no need for the temple. There was no need for a high priest. There was no need for sacrifices because Jesus was the final sacrifice. He is our great high priest in heaven, and there's no need to go back to the temple. And so the whole book is helping them understand that what you've got now is better than what you had and all God's people say it. And so we have covered this from the very beginning. He's better than the angels. He's better than the, the Old Testament prophets. Uh, he is better. He he is better than Moses, right? He he is he is just better. He's superior. And now we're going to see that he is not just a better priest. He is a perfect priest. Okay. And you're gonna you're gonna see. I, so that what really stood out to me as I was digging in this and, and putting this together is everything Jesus did his time on earth, right? Now, Jesus didn't begin in Bethlehem. Y'all do know that, right? I mean, I know you know that, but let me just remind you. He said, before Abraham was, I am. In other words, I was before Abraham got here. I'll be here after Abraham leaves here. Jesus always has been and he always will be. He was in eternity past. He'll be in eternity future. But right in the middle, he spent 33 years on this earth. And it was necessary. It was important. It was important. You see, you say, well, if, if, if only one drop of blood, only one drop of blood could wash away our sin. Man, if that, was, if that was the case, when they circumcised Jesus as a baby, that would be, he, he shed blood then. So why did he have to live 33 years and suffer and be betrayed and, and go through the difficulties of humanity? Oh, we're going to learn tonight. You see, though, his, his days on earth, 
His days on earth was not just so he could prove to you who he was and so he could die for your sins. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to get there. I want to get there. Let's just skip there and go there. But we'll, 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 we'll get, let's get to your notes before I run another rabbit, all right? Here, here's the thing. First of all, our study tonight is going to be in three sections, okay? It's going to be verses 14 through verses 16 in chapter 4, okay? It's kind of a, a, a review of what we, we ended up with last week. Uh, that's going to be the first section. And, and, and so I'm going to say this. The first section is we have a priest, all right? Say it with me. We have a priest. All right? Now, keep in mind, the priest was the one designated to go to God for man, right? And we have a priest, okay? That's the first section. That's, that's verses 14 through 16 of chapter 4. And then verses, verses uh, 5, or chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, we're going to talk about the second section is not only do we have a priest, he, he begins to teach them and explain to them what a priest is. So we have a priest, that's the first section. Second section will be what is a priest? I mean, if, if we're saying he's the great high priest, what is a priest? That's the second section. And then the third section, I, I, I would, would go down to verse number 10. I call that Christ qualifies for our priest. All right. He gives the qualifications in the second section. And then in the third section, he explains why Jesus qualifies to be our high priest. All right. It's as simple as that. That's what we're going to cover tonight. Are y'all ready? All right. All right. Let's look. Let's jump down in verse number, verse number 14. Point number one. Point number one, first of all, we see a certainty recited. A certainty recited. What is the certainty? What is the reality? What is, what is the guarantee we have here? He says, seeing, seeing, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Now, now keep in mind, Keep in mind, before we go any further, let me remind you, keep in mind that he's speaking to Jewish people who are very familiar, very traditional, very experienced with the, the, the Levitical priesthood in Jerusalem. So when he says, we've got a great high priest that's passing to the heavens, right, right away their mind is going to go back to Jerusalem the temple, the sacrifices, uh, their priests that they've known their whole life, their, the, the one who was their uh, mediator, if you will, the one who was their representative to God. And he is saying, I know you remember that one, but you got a greater one up there. Okay? We have a great high priest who's passed into the heavens. That is a certainty, right? And then he says this. Then he says this. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our profession for we have not a high priest who's got to be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So I want you to write two things down. Well, several things, but two main subs. First of all, what's the first certainty? We see the priest that we have. Write that word down. The priest that we have. The representative. The one that goes to God on our behalf. We have a priest in heaven. <clears throat> all right? Three things about this priest we see. First of all, he's superior. He's a great high priest. He's greater than Aaron. He's greater than any of the other high priests. He is superior. We have a great high priest. And the word great is really the word mega. All right? In other words, mighty, strong, powerful, big. Okay? He is superior. Number two, he's the son of God. Nobody could claim that. Nobody could. Our priest is superior. Our priest is the very son of God. And then number three, our priest is sympathetic. 
It says, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So the certainty that he is, he is reminding them is we have a priest. Not only the priest that we have, but B, write this down. I want you to see the privilege we have. The privilege we have. We have access to God. Are y'all with me? That's the, that, that's the privilege. That's not the point I want you to write, but that's the privilege. We have access to God. At other times, we had no access to God. A commoner, a common person did not have access to God. If you were not in the tribe of Levi, if you were not part of the priesthood, if you were not the great high priest, you did not have access to God. Somebody had to go to God for you. Do you understand that? And, and, and he could only go in there one time a year. So, so access to God was limited. It was limited by time. It was limited by the particular individual. Let me just say it this way. Most everybody in here most likely are Gentiles. I don't know if we have any Jewish people in here. If, if they are, man, God bless you. But most of us are Gentiles. We're out of luck. Okay? We would never be allowed to go in to the holy place, to the holy of holies. We would, we, would be, we would be completely isolated and separated from God. But because of Jesus, he has created an access to God that we all have the privilege to have. We don't have to have a go-between. We don't have to have a mediator. We don't have to, listen, we don't have to have somebody that we, listen, we got to go call to confess our sin to. We can go straight to God because we have the privilege of access before our Father. Now, there's two things I want you to write down about that, though. Look what that first word in that verse says. It says this, verse 16. Let us, come on, let us. Here's what I want you to write down. This privilege of access to God is provided by Christ. It's provided by Christ. We don't, we don't have access outside of Christ. The privilege we have to have access to God, to have access to the throne, it's provided by Christ. We should be thankful. We should be appreciative. We should be good stewards of that access because of what Christ has done for us. That's what the word therefore. You see, therefore, in other words, y'all heard us say this before. When you, when you see therefore, go back and read before to know what it's, right? And what did we just read? That we have a high priest. Because we have a high priest in the heavens, we have access to God. Does that make sense? Now watch this. Write this down. Write this down about that privilege. What, what was, what was, what was number one? Our privilege was provide. Come on, say the whole thing. Okay. Say it again. Real loud. At Fairview, everybody ready. Our privilege is, and because of that privilege, because of that privilege, we can approach with confidence. We can approach with confidence. He said, let us therefore, what's the next two words? Okay, all seven of you. Here we go. You ready? Let us therefore come boldly. Now, Webster's Dictionary, Webster's Dictionary gives and defines the word boldly, courageously, without timidity, timidity or fear, with confidence. Now, the Greek word, parousia, is the word, it, it means, which is where this, this word here we're, we're looking at, boldly, outspokenness, frankness, bluntness, with assurance. You know, I, I, I sat down and thought about that a minute. Sometimes we look at this, and I even said it last week, you know, the, the, the image there is, you know, I, I, my grandson, he's running down the, 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 the hall of the, the offices there, and that little scoundrel can just run right in my office. He has access. He can come confidently. He can come boldly, right? He's not afraid of anything. 
He knows he's welcome there. Are y'all with me? But I believe this word is meaning a little more than just a, a clear, open, easy access. So preacher, what are you getting at? Bluntness. Frankness. What, what are you saying? God's saying, I want you to come be straight with me. If you're angry, say you're angry. If you're mad, say you're mad. If you're frustrated, say you're frustrated. Come with authenticity. Come and be honest and be open and be specific. Some of us think that God is, is, is so weak and God is so insecure that if we tell him how we really feel that he's going to get his feelings hurt. And we don't get real with God. And because we don't get real with God, sometimes we hide our feelings and we hold our feelings. And, and listen, our feelings get all on the inside and get built up to the point that we explode. And that's... You know what he's saying here? Because we have a high priest in heaven, just come like you are and tell me what you feel. You don't have to be embarrassed. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to be, listen, afraid. Just tell me. Let's deal with it. Come on. I, I seen a meme one time. I seen a meme one time. And I really liked it. I don't know how, uh, how much I believed it when I was growing up or even my kids practiced it. But we should have that, we should have that relationship so that if something happens, say bad or whatever, that we have the idea not that we shouldn't have the, the thinking that, oh, I hope my father doesn't find out. But it's, I got to go tell my father. And some of us, when we go through trials and we go through tribulation, we go through difficulty, we're running from God. And we need not to run from God. We need to run to God. Well, God don't want to hear what I got to say. He wants to more than you think. He said, come be frank with me. Come be honest with me. Come bear your soul. Bear your heart out to me. I promise you this. You look at some of the Psalms and the Psalmist David had no problems getting honest with God. He said, purge me with a hyssop. Before thee and thee only have I sinned. My sin is ever before me. So he was just open and honest with God. Now, let me, let me say this. Let me say this. I know there's another rabbit. <clears throat> but David sinned way worse than Saul did. But Saul got his, his kingdom taken away, and David was, his was given to him for, you know, perpetually. So what's the difference? Saul hid. Saul made excuses. David just repented. He was honest. He was open. Listen, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Run to God. Say, but I'm mad and I'm frustrated and I don't understand him. Tell him all that stuff. Tell him all that stuff. Be frank. Be frank. Be blunt. You know what Jesus, in his prayer, when he prayed to his father? I know you can do it. Go read it. In the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, I know all things are possible. Before he ever asked what he said, he said, I know you can do it. I mean, how much, how much more honest and frank do you want? We can come boldly. That's a privilege. That's an honor. You see, God is, <laughs> I hope you understand what I'm getting at right here. God is not insecure like we are. I've had people come to me with tears and eyes preaching. You just don't know what I said to God the other day. I said, it's okay. You know what? The Bible says he knoweth our frame. 
He knoweth we're but made of dust. Just, just come to him. You're broken, come. You're hurting, come. You're dirty, come. You need cleaning up, come. Come. That privilege has been provided. That privilege has been provided by our Savior. That's a certainty. Say it with me. Number one, that's a certainty. We have a priest. But let's talk about what it takes to be a priest. That's chapter 5, 1 through 4. The conditions required. We see the certainty we have one. Now, what does it take to be one? Look what it says. Chapter 5, verse 1. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way? For that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. And by reason hereof, he ought as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. Now no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God as was Aaron. Now, what is it? What do we see in these few verses? What's it take to be a priest? What does it take to be a priest? First of all, a write this down. He had to be a man. He had to be a man. Now I'm not in, in referring to gender either. Although he had to be a man in gender. But what I'm saying is he couldn't be an angel. Okay, because man was the guilty party, he had to have a man representative. Does everybody understand that? He was called out of his own people, a man for men. Does that make sense? It had to be a man. It had to be somebody that could relate to man's issues. Are y'all with me? Now write this down. Write this down. First of all, it was a man that was serving. A man that was serving. Say, what, 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 where do we see? Verse 1. For every high priest is taken from among men. He had to be a man. Is ordained for men. In things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Now, here's what the deal was. <clears throat> God, God picked, and we'll, we'll see this in a minute, the, the, the priest would come, and he was, he's working at the temple, working at the tabernacle uh, in the Old Testament before they got to Jerusalem and made the permanent uh, temple. There was the tabernacle in the wilderness, and, and so God had it so that a man would be a representative of the things pertaining to God, a representative from man to God, from God to man. Everybody couldn't come to God, just the, the representative, the priest. Does everybody understand that? Now, what, what, would, what would they do? Well, the, if the people sinned, Okay, if the people sin, then they had to come and bring a sacrifice for sin. Now, keep in mind what he says here. People that sin ignorantly and, and were out of the way. In other words, these were, these were pitiful people doing the best they can, but they just made mistakes. Did it ignorantly. God had a, God had a provision for them. He said, what if they did it on purpose and not, just out of rebellion? God killed them. There was no provision for high-handed, blatant sins of disobedience. Just a thought. I'm so glad to be in the New Testament. Do I have a witness? But here's what here's what they would do. They would come and they would bring they would bring this goat, and the people would place their hand on the goat, and 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 the priest would 
slit the throat of the goat and the goat would take the pain and suffering that belong to the sinner. Now keep, keep that in mind a minute. This was a traumatic event. I mean, God wanted the sinner to understand how serious his sin really was. And then the priest would take the blood of that goat and would offer a sin sacrifice for their sins to be covered and to be forgiven. It says gifts, it says gifts and sacrifices. Not only would they bring sacrifices for sins, but they would also bring gifts. Could be grain, uh, could be uh, uh, part of the harvest that they wanted to give to God. Uh, uh, it could be jewelry, it could be money itself. God designated several different things. All of those were free will offerings that they gave to God out of thanksgiving, gratitude, and saying to God, everything I have came from you. But they had to go to the priest. Then the priest went to, does this make sense? And he had to be a man. He had to be one of their kind. All right? Now, now look here. He served. He served. But then it had to be one that was sympathetic. Not only was he serving, he served man and he served God. He was the go-between he represented God to man and man to God. But he had to be a man because he had to be sympathetic to the people he was ministering to. Look what it says. Verse number two. This man, he had to be compassionate. He had to be somebody who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way. Compassion for the ignorant and patience for the ones out of the way. For that he himself, now this is big, y'all. For that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. And by reason hereof, he ought for as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. Now, what does that mean? It means on the day of atonement, Yom Kippur, on the day of atonement, before the high priest could go in with blood for the people uh, and, and blood for the sins of the people to cover the sins of the people and offer a sacrifice for the people, he had to offer a sacrifice for himself because he was a man, which was a sinner. He was a sinner. So before he could offer a sacrifice on behalf of the people, he had to offer a sacrifice on his own behalf because he had to go in clean and he had to go in right because if he went into the presence of God and was not right, God would kill him. Are y'all with me? So what the writer is saying here is the, 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 the priest had to be a man. He had to be related to who he was representing. And I, I don't mean like brother or son. I'm talking about in relation to humanity. He was a man, not an angel. He was a man, not a demon. He was, he was a man. All right? But then it says he had to know that he was a sinner too. And because he realized he was a sinner too, he could have compassion on other sinners. Now let me say something right here. It's amazing. It's amazing how much we hate the, our sin that others commit. Let me say that again. It's amazing how much we hate our sin that others commit. It's not quite as bad when we do it, but when they do it, oh, my soul. And you would think, you would think as pitiful as we are, you would think as much as we know we're pitiful sinners in the eyes of God that we would have more mercy on other sinners. But it's so easy to get 
so caught up in religion that in, 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 in things that we become like David. <clears throat> David sinned with Bathsheba, hid it, covered it up, had her, had her husband killed. Thought it was all covered, thought it was all hid, she, she was pregnant. Listen, out of adultery with him, he takes her in. Y- y'all know the story? And, and then the, and the preacher shows up. He said, Dave, you ain't going to believe. You ain't going to believe what happened. Come on. David said, what happened? He said, man, there's this rich guy in the kingdom. He's got more money than you can shake a stick at. He's got more sheep and more lambs than you could ever imagine. And there's this old dude over here that's poor as, I mean, just poor. He's got one little lamb. And that lamb's almost like a family member. I mean, he, he stays in the house and everything. It's a special lamb. It's a love lamb. It's the only lamb he's got. And you know what that rich dude did, David? Well, what'd he do? He went and took that lamb because he had a visitor come in. Instead of taking his own lamb, he took the one little lamb that that man had. Son, David is furious. He's furious. He's so angry. He's going to pay. You know what? You know what he said. It's amazing how bad our sin looks in other people's lives. But this priest had to realize he's a sinner too, and I need to be merciful, and I need to be compassionate because I'm a sinner too. And you know what the Bible says about restoring a sinner? You know what the Bible says about that? It says, ye which are spiritual. I'm glad somebody read that verse. (laughs) Say it with me. Ye that are restored. Talking about a fallen brother. I've, I've heard preachers all my life, evangelists say that, you know, God's army is the only army that shoots their own wounded. If you've been in church any amount of time, you know how that goes. It says, ye which are spiritual, restore them. Now, this don't mean you don't deal with it. Because clearly, Paul says you deal with sin. I mean, you see that in 1 Corinthians. But when you deal with it, you don't deal with it for sake of kicking somebody out. It's to restore them through repentance and reconciliation. And you know what he said? You know what he said about, about forgiving others and restoring others? It says, lest ye be tempted. Anyway, he had to be a sympathetic, realizing his own issues, his own weaknesses, his own tendencies. Man, it's hard to... It's hard to beat somebody up when you, 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 y'all with me? You say, what, what about Jesus? He, he, he never sinned. That's why he's the only one who can perfectly, (laughs) somebody say amen. amen. Anyway, that's good right there. That's enough preaching. We can go home. Well, we ain't. He had to be a man, a serving, sympathetic man. But then B, then B, write this down. Woo-hoo-hoo. He not only had to be a man, he had to be a called man. This is terrible, terrible English, and Miss, Miss Buckner would sure get on to me. So if she's watching online, ain't just anybody can be a priest. Everybody, just because you wanted to be a priest doesn't mean you could be a priest. You had to be called. You had to be designated. You see in Exodus 28, 1, it said, well, let me, let me read you the verse in, in chapter 5 so we don't get ahead of ourselves. It says in verse 4, and, no come on, and, no 
No man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God. Say it with me. But he that is as was Aaron didn't just all of a sudden say, I think I'm going to be a priest. It wasn't even on his radar. God called him. Just like God called the disciples. Just like God called Paul. Are y'all with me? You got to be God called. Exodus 28.1. Take thou unto thee Aaron thy brother and his sons with him. From among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. In the what? In the the priest's office. Even Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Eleazar, and Ethamar, Aaron's sons. So he picked out a specific man. He he picked out a a specific people. Numbers 3, 5 through 10. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Bring the tribe of Levi. Levi near. And present them before Aaron the priest, that they may minister unto him, and bring, and they shall keep his charge, and the charge of all the whole congregation before the tabernacle of the congregation to do the service of the tabernacle. And they shall keep all the instruments of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the charge of the children of Israel to do the service of the tabernacle. And thou shalt give the Levites unto Aaron and to his sons, they are wholly given unto him out of the children of Israel, and thou shalt appoint Aaron and his sons, and they shall wait on their priest's office, and the stranger that cometh nigh shall be put to death. In other words, the Levites and the Levites only. All right? Now watch. No man could appoint himself as a priest, let alone a high priest. King Saul invaded the priesthood, and he lost his kingdom. Korah, Korah and his fellow uh, rebels tried to make themselves priests. They said, hey, we can all be priests. We can all be God's representative. Moses, you're taking too much on yourself. And you know what God did? Let me tell you what God did. If you're not familiar with this story, he opened the earth and sucked them down into hell alive. The whole crowd. They're not trying to be a priest if you ain't called. When King Uzziah, he tried to go into the temple and offer Offer incense and God struck him with leprosy. You had to be called. Now, I, I, one commentator that I was studying, he believed that God chose the Levites. If y'all remember, if y'all remember, <clears throat> how many of y'all remember when, 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 when Moses was on the mountain, Moses and Joshua and and Aaron was responsible for, for, for watching over the people down at the bottom. And the people get tired of waiting on Moses and they make a golden calf. How many of y'all remember that? Well, God sent Moses back down and said, hey, you need to get down there. The bunch of heathens, they done gotten crazy on me. They, they're I, I, uh, committing idolatry and immorality and whoredom down. Get, get on down. Well, Joshua and Moses come on down, and y'all know the story. Aaron said, hey, I just threw all this jewelry in the fire, and this calf popped out. That's what he said. Read it. It's there. Blames the people. He, you know, anyway, make a long story short, Moses stood up and said, who's on the Lord's side? And the only tribe, the only tribe to step forward was guess who? Drive a Levi. And they came and gathered with Moses, and Moses said, Get you a sword and start dealing with them. And there was a lot that died that day because of their wicked, heinous sin and idolatry. And many, many believe that because of that, that is why God chose. And I can't dogmatically say that, but but that is a that is an opinion of, of, of some Bible scholars. But either way, if you were going to be a priest, you had to be of the tribe of Levi. And you had to be in the lineage there. Uh, and it's passed down from father to son, father to son, down through the, the lineage. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. All right. Now, let's look at this. We, we, we saw these, the reality is that he is making a proposition that we have a priest in heaven. It's Jesus. He describes what a priest is and what a priest does. 
Now let's see, and he's going to show us how Jesus fits the bill. Are y'all with me? Say amen. That's the last section. Look, look in verse number five. It says, so no man, verse four, no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God and was, was heir. He had to be a man. He had to be called. So, what's that word? Also. also. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he said that he is God the Father, that said unto him, the him is God the Son. So God the Father said to God the Son, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. Church, say amen. amen. Now here's what I want you to write down. First of all, Christ pre here's the conclusion. Here's the conclusion of the section. Christ's priesthood proclaimed by sovereign decree. In other words, Jesus didn't just happen to say, I'm, I think I'm going to be a priest. All right? It was decreed by God. It was ordained by God. He was chosen by God. Now, now two things we see in this proclamation, in this sovereign decree. First, we see his ordination. His ordination. We see that in Psalm 2-2. He quotes. Thou, this is, well, let, let, me, let me get back, let me get back. Verse number five, so also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that said unto him, thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. This was his ordination day. His ordination day. He said, preacher, what are you talking about? What day was that? Some people think, you know, because he says begotten, that this is talking about Bethlehem. When he's born in a manger, but it's not. It's not. We, we find the evidence in the book of Acts and the explanation of what day that this is talking about. Look in, the, look in your notes. Acts, it, it, by the way, that was a quote of Psalm 2-2. In Acts 13-32 through 34, we see an explanation of what Psalm 2-2 is saying. Now, he says this, And we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second Psalm, that, that, here it is, now he's quoting it, Thou art my son, this day have I, as concerning that he raised him from the dead. Preacher, what day did he ordain Christ? The day he raised from the dead. He said, this day have I begotten. He wasn't talking about the babe in Bethlehem. He was talking about Christ and his resurrection body, his glorified body, his brand new body, ready to go to heaven to be your intercessor and your great high priest. He was ordained in that moment, in that time. Listen. The phrase, today have I begotten thee, does not refer to the birth of Christ at Bethlehem, but to his resurrection from the dead. The Son of God was begotten into a glorious new life in his resurrection. He ascended to heaven in a glorified body to become our high priest at the throne of grace. When Aaron was ordained to the priesthood, he offered the sacrifice of animals, but Jesus Christ, to become our high priest, offered the sacrifice of And then he did what? He rose from the dead. Amen. You see that he had a different body. When he was walking on this earth, he was flesh and blood. But if you'll remember when he said, hey, come touch me. See, I am flesh and bone. He was in a glorified body. He was in a body that could appear and disappear. A body that could go through walls and show up and, 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 and go from one place to the other. Are y'all with me? But yet he could still eat fish sandwiches and honeycomb. Say amen. He's a brand new. He's God has. Anyway, anyway, I'm, I'm running out of time. Let's hurry. Let's hurry. We see not only his ordination, his sovereign decree. He's ordained to be our high priest. God declared it. Then we see his order. Write that word down. 
his order. What do you mean his order? Well, the first priesthood that we, we, we really hear about uh, in detail is the order of Aaron. The, the priesthood of the Levites. The order of Aaron. Does that make sense? But there's a problem. There's a problem. Because in, in the Old Testament, in order to be a priest, you had to be of the tribe of Levi. Levi. But Jesus was of the root of David. David was of the tribe of Judah. He was, he's, hallelujah. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. You see, that was the kingly tribe. Are y'all with me? So how in the world is he going to be our priest? Oh, that's where Melchizedek comes into the picture. Are y'all with me? He was not after the order of Aaron, but he was after the order of Melchizedek. It says, and now he's, now he's quoting Psalms 110, 4. He says, he says in, 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 in verse 5, thou art my son, today have I begotten. He's talking about his ordination there at, after his resurrection. And he saith also in another place, that would be Psalm 110, 4. Thou art a priest. What's the next two words? For it. Oh, that's a key. That's a key. You see, Aaron's order was temporary. Aaron's order ended 70 AD when the Romans destroyed the temple. There are no high priests serving today because it was temporary. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now watch, now watch. Two factors make Christ's priesthood very unique. First, and, and by the way, I'm not going to go into great detail about Melchizedek tonight because we're going to do that in, the, in a few chapters coming up. So we're just going to do a little tidbit. That's good, say amen. amen. First, he is a high priest forever. forever. Come on now. He's a high priest forever. forever. No Old Testament priest ministered forever. Because each priest died and relinquished the office to his successor. The word forever is an important one in this epistle. At least six times, the writer affirms that Christ's high priesthood is forever. Hebrews 5, 6, 6, 20, 7, 17, 21, 24, and 28. And since he is a priest forever, he gives his people salvation forever. forever. Say Amen. The second factor, the second factor that makes Christ's ordination unique is that he belongs to a different order from the Old Testament priest. The Old Testament priest was the Arianic order. The, he, Christ belongs to the order of Melchizedek, right? Melchizedek is mentioned in only two places in the entire Old Testament. Genesis 14 and Psalms 110. His name means king of righteousness. And then he was also king of Salem. Salem. He was a king in Jerusalem. Salem. Salem. It's city of peace, right? All right. So he is a king. He is a king. But the fascinating thing about Melchizedek is that he was both priest and a king. But see, King Uzziah wanted to be both priest and king and God judged him. Only in Jesus Christ and in pre-law Melchizedek were these two offices combined. Jesus Christ is a high priest, but he's sitting on a Somebody say amen. amen. Now, I know you want to dig more into that, but not tonight. We're going to come back to that, all right? Then we see B. Let's finish it up. What's the conclusion in these verses? First of all, Christ's priesthood proclaimed by sovereign decree. This is going to be good. You're going to enjoy this. B, we see Christ's priesthood perfected by suffering. Perfected means completed, finished. Now watch this. Talking about Jesus, verse 7. Who in the days of his flesh 
That's that section in eternity that he spent on this earth in human form. Y'all with me? From birth, from birth to his ascension. Okay? The days of his flesh. Now keep in mind, right from the beginning he suffered. Where was he born? There was no room in the end. So from the beginning of Christ's life, the days of his flesh, all the way to the end, he suffered. Are y'all with me? Why? Why? It says, who in the days of his flesh, now he's going to describe, the writer's going to describe the Garden of Gethsemane experience. When he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears. Crying and tears. Now keep that in mind. This is what happened in the garden. Jesus is weeping and he's crying. And I'm talking about in, in, in coming to God and begging. Unto him that was able to save from death. And was, in other words, he answered the prayer in that he feared. The word feared, he is Christ. Feared means all, respect, complete submission. Are y'all with me? In other words, Jesus is in the garden. He is begging, he is pleading, he is praying, he is suffering, he is in pain, he is grieving. And he's not praying to escape the cross because he told Peter to get behind him because Peter was trying to keep him from getting to the cross. He was not trying to, he was not asking God to keep him from dying, but he was saying, Father, don't leave me in that grave. He was not praying for God the Father to save him from death, but out of death. And you know what? He did. He heard his prayer and answered his prayer. So how do you know? Because he rose again. Church, say amen. In the Garden of Gethsemane, on the night before he went to the cross, Jesus prayed and agonized so intensely that his sweat became as great drops of blood. His heart was broken at the prospect of bearing sin, he felt the power of sin and he felt temptation. He cried, he shed tears, he hurt, he grieved. What he had, watch this now, this is where it makes sense. What he had always known in his omniscience, he learned in a new way on earth by He could not have been a fully sympathetic high priest had he not experienced what we experience and felt what we feel. The Bible says that as he cried, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered and being made perfect. Preacher, what are you getting at? How could the Son of God learn obedience? I mean, that don't even make sense. How could the Son of God learn obedience? Well, in the same way any son must learn obedience, by the experiences of life. We must remember that our Lord in his earthly walk lived by faith in the Father's will. As God, he needed to learn nothing. But as the Son of God come in human flesh, he had to experience that which his people would experience so that he might be able to minister as their high priest. He did not need to learn how to obey because it would be impossible for God to be disobedient. Rather, as the God-man in human flesh, he had to learn what it was involved in obedience. And in this way, he identified with us the prep, this preparation, say it with me, this, underline that word, this preparation involved the experience of death. Brother Mickle, 
You think that's hot? You pretty much know it's hot, right? You now, now watch now. You know it's hot. But until you come place your hand over it, you haven't experienced it. You know it's hot, but you ain't felt it. Did Jesus know what death was? Sure he did. Did he know he was going to die? Sure he did. He, 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 he prophesied that he would. But he had to feel it. Now watch this. You remember what I said that that time on earth was more than just coming and dying for us. That time on earth was Jesus preparing himself for eternal for an eternal job of being your high priest. Everything he faced Every temptation, every pain, every heartache, every frustration, every single thing that he went through on this earth was God the Father preparing his son to be a perfect, great high priest for you. Man, I hope you're getting what I'm putting down. It was more than the cross. It was more than the miracles. It was more than the great teaching lessons and the great sermons. He was being prepared. God was developing and building the perfect high priest that could understand and could relate to us and could feel what we feel. Do you realize that he is going to be in that condition? He is going to be in that form forever. God, our high priest, for you. Watch this now. Let me give you the word. Let me give you the word. And being made perfect, complete, he became the author of what kind of salvation? Eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Now listen, I know I gave you a lot of stuff. And I know I'm getting, giving you stuff that you have to think about. But the more we get in this, the more meat you're going to get. And you're going to find out you like ribeye. You may not get it all together. And it might be a little confusing, but that's okay. Here's what you do. Go back to the website and listen to it again. I have, to, I have to read the chapter 45, 50 times before I, it really clicks and, and, and I can get it. You may, have to, you may have to listen to these lessons two or three times. But I promise you, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't say, well, this is just confusing. I just, this meat's just too tough to chew. Then, you, then you'll stay a baby your whole life. Just keep cutting. If you gum it, if you have to. And all God's people say it. <laughs> 